2: Welcome to the Wednesday edition of the Word to Stand On for Life. My name is Pastor Ken Cruzado, and today I have the privilege of filling in for my pastor on this radio show. Pastor Ron and Paula are uh, wrapping up their conference in California. They are actually already on their way back. Uh, Turns out they won't be back. Uh, On the time that they anticipated, you can keep them in prayer. They may be in a little bit of a delay, but regardless, we're confident that they're going to be back here tonight. Um, I spoke to him yesterday. Uh, They had a great time at the conference, and you can't wait to get back to the radio listening audience and can't wait to get back to the church family here at Calvary Chapel. So in the meantime... On the Wednesday edition, I get to fill in for him. Uh, The show will continue doing what we normally do, taking your questions about the Bible, questions about the Word of God, how to put it into practice in your life, um, how we can help you uh, fall deeper in love with Jesus. That's what our goal is. And so to do that, I need to give you the phone numbers 210-340-9585, 210-340-9585. The toll-free number to call in is 877-630-5757, 877-630-5757. The email address to submit your questions is... Questions at CalvarySA.com. You can call in using the KSLR app, or you can submit questions using the church app. Okay, so like I said, it's the Wednesday edition. That means here uh, at Calvary Chapel, it's our Old Testament Bible study night. I'll be teaching tonight. I will take a break from Pastor Ron's teaching in Isaiah, and we'll be in Second Samuel tonight. A very interesting chapter, one of my personal favorites, chapter 24, where we see what it looks like to live sacrificially, living sacrificially. Sadly, it's a foreign concept, even within the church, because of our flesh. We're so geared to gravitating towards comfort, and sacrifice is is, is, is kind of a, a foreign word. To us. But we learn from this chapter how God blesses when a man's heart or a woman's heart is committed to living sacrificially, and the motive is everything. So that's tonight, Second Samuel chapter 24 here at Calvary Chapel. Uh, also, let me remind you, since it is Wednesday today, tomorrow will be the date day edition. Pastor Ron and Paula will be here live for the date they addition to take your calls. So, ladies, if you have questions for Paula, she would love to take them for tomorrow. Oh, I just got word. Pastor Ron and Paula are finally in the air. They had a, a stopover and a short delay, but good news, they are back in the air. That means they're on the way home. So Pop, and Mama, eh, uh, you're probably not listening because you're in the air. Uh, we're praying for you, and we hope you get home soon. I I wanted to share a couple of things before we uh, take questions. Uh, real quickly, let me give you the radio phone numbers, just in case you just tuned in and you want to call 210-340-9585. That's the phone number to call in. Uh, Out of the area, the toll-free number, 877-630-5757. Well, I just returned, both my family and I, uh, from our vacation. So the way the schedule usually works around here is Pastor Ron and Paula will take their vacation right around the time that the school year ends. And most of you remember during that time, if you're a regular listener, that's when I get on the air and I get to take your questions. And while Pastor Ron and Paula are enjoying their vacation, um, I fill in for them. And, and then when he returns, Pastor Ron shares his heart with the body. Uh, he does so with the radio listening audience to a smaller degree. But it's it's unique this time because I just returned When he returned from his vacation, that's when it's me and my family's time to go ahead and take ours. And during our time, uh, both May and I and the kids had a a great time visiting family, spending time with the Lord, and the Lord spoke to our hearts. And so I wanted to take a moment just to kind of reflect and share with the, the audience some of the neat things. And I'll elaborate tonight on some of those things, but really simple but profound things that that the Lord really spoke to me about. We had um, not church on the beach because we weren't on the beach, but our version of church in the house with the family and and just a few people that joined us was in John chapter 6. And uh, this very long chapter, we didn't cover the whole thing, but it's so uh, rich and so full of important practical application. And one of the things that Jesus talks about, and he re- actually reiterates in this chapter over and over, is he being the bread that has come down from heaven, the bread of life. And and what he talks about there, and what we talked about there on, at church in the house was, was feeding off of Jesus as that bread that sustains us and and while we're there in California I mean it's a it's a different world we're from there we used to live there but we're reminded while we're there of some of the things some of the way people live their lives and and I understand it's a different culture but it was so obvious to see, so many things, uh, so so many lives consumed and feeding off of the the surrounding environment. They're so dependent upon uh, circumstances and, and so dependent upon jobs, it ties up their schedule. And it's just because of the way that the nature of life there, it just requires that busyness. And, and the Lord spoke to my heart. You know, it really isn't any different. Wherever you go, you can make your life busy. You can find a way to go uh, uh, to Alaska and be busy. Hi, Pastor Samuel. But you can find a way to make your life busy with things that will crowd out Jesus, no matter where you are. And I just saw it with my eyes, and Jesus was reminding us, uh, through this passage in John chapter 6, that, We need to feed off of him, and not just feed off of him, and I'm not talking about just opening up the Bible and reading it, but I'm talking about finding our sustenance in him. To sustain life, we need to cling to the very words and watch them leap off of the pages and and breathe life into our hearts and into our lungs. And we just don't do that. We open up our Bibles, we read a devotion, uh, we close it up and then you know find a, a nugget or maybe two that, that sounds interesting. And then that'll sustain us for a little bit. And then it's back to the busyness. I was reminded and, and really touched. In John chapter six, when Jesus was simply saying to a large gathering of people, "You need to eat of Me," and obviously he's not talking about his physical flesh and his body, but he's talking about being consumed by Him and and consuming Him completely. And that was the hard saying, that they would turn to each other, even the disciples, and say, this is a hard thing. This is a difficult thing. And then he turned to them and said, does it offend you to his own people? That's what spoke to me. So many, so many people, Christians, are just offended that Jesus wants us to be consumed by him and for us to consume him completely. But that's where life is found. And it encouraged me, because, like I said, wherever you are and whatever you're doing, we are prone to busyness. It's so easy to get caught up and lose sight of some of the things that Jesus is speaking to us about. And it is no coincidence that oftentimes, the very things he wants to address in our hearts are our sin in our own life. Things that we, that, that Jesus wants to deal with. That's when distractions become more attractive because ew, it's kind of uncomfortable for him to deal with those sensitive issues. But it's a necessary thing for us. Does this offend you? That, I love that. Absolutely love that. Anyways, that. It was just one of the many things that the Lord kind of spoke to my heart uh, during our time away. Uh, I appreciate uh, some of the families that, that knew we were away and appreciate the prayers uh, for us. And part of it was for our son really to get prepared to leave for college. Um, he wanted to show his sisters uh, the campus and where he's going to be. And and we had an opportunity to meet with uh, some of the people he was going to fellowship there with on campus, uh, and some of the ministry groups there. It was really neat, really really neat. So, I appreciate your prayers. Oh. Okay. Well, let's see. We can move right into the questions. We got a, a few here that are submitted. The first question will take us from Natalie. She says, It's hard sometimes to know if it is the Holy Spirit talking to me or if it's just me. How can I be sure? Natalie, this is a great question. It's a great question because it's an important one. Uh, the simple answer is this the only way you'll be able to distinguish if it's you. Or if it's the Holy Spirit speaking to you, is if you know Jesus, and I'm not talking about if you know Him for the forgiveness of your sins. I'm assuming Natalie that you're born again, and because you are born again, you have been completely forgiven of your sin. and And the Bible says that uh, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit all dwell in you, the complete. Uh, Godhead, its presence lives in you. And so when the Spirit of God speaks to us, like John chapter 16 says, in John chapter 14, we need to know, well, what if it's just my flesh? This is where knowing Jesus is imperative. Because if you know Him, Natalie, then you'll recognize His voice. And I'm not talking about audible, an audible voice. I'm talking about recognizing when a thought comes from the Word of God. I know because the Word tells us there is no good thing that comes from me. No good thing. So if there is something that I think of that uh, that dovetails uh, perfectly with God's Word, meaning it complements, not contradicts, but it complements God's Word, then I can know that this is Jesus speaking to me. The problem is, if I don't know God's word, then I won't know if it's him or if it's me. A couple of things, Natalie, here is, so the first one I mentioned is you've got to know Jesus. You've got to know him intimately, personally. You've got to be uh, a woman who consumes the word of God through repetition, just knowing it. And I'm not talking about rote memorization. I'm talking about being familiar with his character, to know how he responds uh, to the woman that had the issue of blood for 12 years, the tenderness in his voice uh, when he speaks to the woman in John chapter 8, caught in the act of adultery. All all these things uh, are reflective of Jesus' character because you watch how he speaks to people who are hurting, to the accused, to the oppressed, to the ones who are neglected. And when you hear that voice speak to your heart in that same tone, then you can know that it's him. You'll also know if it's the Holy Spirit, because if it will point you to Jesus and point you to being closer to him, as opposed to taking you further from him, then it'll be him. That's the Holy Spirit's ministry to make Jesus known. It's interesting in Genesis chapter 22, when the bride uh, is being sought for, for Isaac, Uh and the, the servant that goes to, to get the bride is told specifically what to look for with the horse, uh, but the name isn't mentioned. And we find out later on the name, Eliezer is the name of the servant, that, but that's not important. The important thing is his ministry, his job is to bring the two together, the bride and the bridegroom. Now the Holy Spirit is God. But the Holy Spirit's ministry is to make Jesus known, not to make himself known, but to point us to Jesus. So it is hard sometimes to know if it is the Holy Spirit speaking to you, but the way you know it is, again, if it, if it contradicts the word, then you know it isn't the Holy Spirit it's probably something else and it doesn't matter what it is, it's not the Holy Spirit. But if it complements the Word of God, there's a good chance that it could be the Holy Spirit speaking to you. And I would even suggest this, Natalie. I wouldn't spend so much time and energy trying to figure out what the source is. Once you know it is from the Holy Spirit, then you obey. You don't have to try to figure out why he's telling you to do what to do. You just do it. And the other side of this is also true. If it's not from the Holy Spirit, it could be from people, it could be from your own flesh, it could be from the enemy of your soul, it really doesn't matter. But my flesh, our flesh, wants to investigate and find out, well, who is saying this to me then? What's the significance of this? What does it mean? I get this question oftentimes when it relates to dreams. Uh, sometimes we have dreams. I'm one of those people that has scary dreams pretty often. I, I don't know why, but I learned a long time ago that if I spent any time or energy trying to analyze my dreams, uh, when I already know it's not from the Lord, it's a waste of time. So, Natalie, I hope that helps. It. It's not hard if you know Jesus. Once you know it's the Holy Spirit speaking to you, you just obey. How can you be sure? Look at the Word of God. If it dovetails perfectly with the Word of God, it complements it perfectly, then it's the Holy Spirit. If it's not, if it's contradictory to the Word of God, then you know it's not the Holy Spirit. I hope that helps. 210 340 I have another question here that was... Uh, actually asked in person. So I, uh, I don't have permission uh, from the person, so I will uh, leave it anonymous. But the question was this. What do I do when I'm grieving? And one moment I'm fine. And the next moment, it feels like I lose everything. I find myself getting angry at people easily and I know it's wrong. I repent of my sin, but then it seems to happen all over again. What am I doing wrong? And that's a question that Anonymous submitted in person. And so, Anonymous, here's what I want you to know. When you're grieving, there is no cookie-cutter pattern for all people to follow in other words people grieve in different ways the most important thing when we grieve is that we have to grieve with Jesus and what that means Anonymous is this when we grieve and we're with Jesus um, we're going to make sure that our emotions are appropriate we talk about being fine one minute and then not fine the next that's okay okay That's okay. We just have to make sure in that moment, once you've recognized that you're not right and that your emotions have kind of overwhelmed you, then you stop, you turn your eyes back to Jesus, and you repent. Especially if you acted out of anger or acted out of emotion and said something someone that was inappropriate. Go to Jesus, you repent of your sin, you're sorry, get your heart right with the Lord, and then you turn to the person that you were speaking to and and, and you look them in the eye and you tell them that you were sorry. What you did was wrong. You misrepresented the Lord and and you want them, you want people to know that even in your grieving, you're with Jesus. Even in your grieving, you are going to Him and depending upon Him uh, to comfort you. And you're not depending on other people to meet that need that only Jesus can. This is really important. Uh, so I hope that helps Anonymous. Part of this is also tied into tonight's Bible study, living sacrificially means that you don't depend on anyone else but Jesus to meet your needs. And I'm not talking about material needs uh, exclusively or, or financial needs, though it applies to that also, but it's especially true when it comes to emotional and mental these are needs that we all have. We're all emotional people, whether we recognize it or not. But when people you know, go to social media or things like that or to people uh, for comfort that they cannot provide, they're only setting themselves up for a heartbreak. I want us, I want Christians, in their time of need to run to Jesus and to to lay it all out on the table before Jesus, and to give Jesus a chance to really minister to their heart. Because living sacrificially means that in David's case, even though he knew that discipline was coming, that the consequences of his sin was going to be great, he still appealed to the mercy of God instead of the mercy of men. Knowing that, God was merciful. Why would I depend on men to be merciful when I know that in my flesh I'm not merciful? And so when someone treats me unmercifully and I go to them because I need mercy, I'm only setting myself up for failure. But God, who is rich in mercy... Even when we are disobedient, when we repent and we come to him, he never responds with a half-hearted attitude that reluctantly gives us mercy. No, he joyfully pours out his mercy and his grace over us. And you know this when you know God, when you know Jesus, that's his character. He isn't like us. Where he keeps a record of our past. Well, you can hear the music. That means we are nearing the end. We're at the end of the first half of the Wednesday edition of the Word to Stand on for Life. Stay tuned, we'll be back in 2 minutes.
1: the word to stand on for life. We're taking your calls at 340-9585 or toll-free 877-630 KSLR. Now, here's Pastor Ron Arbaugh.
2: Welcome back to the Wednesday edition of the Word to Stand On for Life. My name is Pastor Ken Cruzado. I am filling in or my pastor, Pastor Ron Arbaugh, who normally takes your calls and questions about the Bible, well, I will continue to do the same thing. If you're just tuning in, he is uh, returning from the pastor's conference, the bigger CCA conference that takes place once a year uh, there in, in Golden Springs. Uh, he is finished and on his way back. Both he and Paula had a great time, uh, contacted him last night. Uh, they're excited to be back on the radio. Tomorrow will be the date day edition where Paula and Pastor Ron will take your calls. Ladies, if you're listening and if you've got questions, particular questions about relationships, questions about things that you're going through, uh, Paula is absolutely wonderful. And, and her heart, uh, she just wants to help you. And so call in tomorrow for the date day edition, ladies. I do have two quick things to announce. I forgot to mention at the beginning of the show, not particularly or not directly related to the radio audience, but Pastor Ron, I'm sure, will uh, mention it as the time approaches. But here at Calvary Chapel, we have uh, two pretty big events coming up for the youth. One of them is the CKBS, that's the Calvary Kids Bible. School that's our version of PBS and that's going to take place starting Monday. And um, so if that's something that anyone in the radio listening audience is interested in, uh, stop by the church, sign up. That's the 29th is when it begins. It's, uh, it's free of charge, completely free of charge. And it's a great time to be around people who love the Lord and other kids who, uh, Love Jesus and other kids, even if you're not saved, bring them, then maybe they'll get saved. It's the 29th, it's from 9 to 12, Monday through Friday. And it's from pre-K to 6th grade. The second thing I wanted to quickly mention, that's our youth conference. This is something uh, different we're going to do this year. The youth conference is going to be in lieu of our youth camp. And I think it's really neat. I'm excited about it. Uh, Pastor Nelly will be leading uh, an all-day conference, also free of charge. And he's going to have it here locally at one of the hotels, but it'll be a day set up where uh, there will be the Bible being taught multiple times. We'll have multiple studies with worship and and, and, and a chance to, for the youth, that's grades 7th through 12th, to really leave the things of this world behind and focus on what God wants to do, what Jesus wants to do in their hearts. So many of our youth are distracted by, oh, I don't know, so many things, devices and social media and everything online. This is a great time where a whole day will be set aside just for them. To hear the word of God taught, the food will be catered uh, and it's completely free. Sign up will also be at the church. Um, that date is on August 10th. Uh, so it's an all day thing from 12 to 8. And so i uh, really excited to offer that to, to anyone that's interested. Okay, so Wednesday edition again. Uh, quick reminder tonight is our Old Testament Bible study. I will be teaching because Pastor Ron will still barely be returning from his flight, arriving home. So we'll take a break from Isaiah tonight, and we'll be teaching out of Second Samuel chapter twenty-four. I'm very excited about that study. Let's go back to the questions. Uh, Sarah says. How could I memorize scripture like you and some others do so? You have answers when people ask questions. Sarah, I know Pastor Ron is going to take this question, um, but I, I will share my heart and then I'll let him elaborate uh, because I love when questions like this are, are asked. And so does he, because number one, Sarah, this tells me that you have a hunger and a thirst for God's word. And, And I promise you, Sarah, that is a gift. That is a gift that God wants to use. And if anyone wants to be used by the Lord, you have to be so intimately familiar with the scriptures. You have to know what it says, and you have to know what it means. So in your question, when you ask Pastor Ron how, how can you memorize scripture? We have a pretty simple model here. Repetition, repetition, repetition. And, and I don't mean reading it over and over and over, but reading the Bible uh, over and over in a way to where you're listening to the Holy Spirit, m- much like what Natalie was asking earlier. And and, and as you go through the scriptures, repeatedly, the Holy Spirit will begin to speak to your heart. Now you ask, how can I memorize scripture like you and some others do? Well, for me personally, uh, this is what I do. Uh, Through the course of repeatedly going through the scriptures, uh, the Holy Spirit sort of interrupts me. And... and, uh, and his word becomes alive and, and and to make it even more practical there are scriptures that 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 are tied to particular events in my life for example genesis chapter 2 verse 20 is paul the apostle speaking about him being crucified with christ And it's no longer he who lives in the flesh, but Christ who lives in him, the one who loved him and gave his life for him. Now, that speaks to me, or it spoke to me in my own life at a time when I was a new Christian and, and, and I just wanted to know what Jesus wanted to do with my life as a Christian. I was looking for an answer, uh, you know, a a, a calling, a ministry, or, you know, something that he wanted me to do. And being a new Christian, I, I, I immediately associated it with some type of work. But Jesus reminded me, as he did with Paul, that all he wants me to do is live my life with him every single day. And the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave his life for me. That means every moment of every day doing what he's put in front of me and being faithful in doing that, not worried about the five-year plan and not worried about what's going to happen in the future, but being faithful to do what Jesus has asked me to do today. And, and that's the life that he wants me to live. Now, the reason why I bring that up is because I tie that particular verse to a time in my life, my early in my walk with the Lord, when I had so many questions and he answered a whole bunch of them through verses like that. Now, what that does to me in helping me memorize it is, is, I know what it says now because it's not just something that is tattooed to my brain through through rote memorization, but it's something that I could personally identify and attach to a time in my life. I joke with Pastor Juan here at the church because him and I... Uh, you know we 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 joke around and we 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 think back to our childhoods being in completely different parts of the world and different parts of the country, but it was around the same time in the eighties and we you know we we'll, we'll listen to music and play songs once in a while that that bring up memories of what we were going through and the reason why those particular songs Uh, Are so attached to our hearts is because we remember what we were, where we live, what we're going through, walking home from school, you know, as latchkey kids and going through things that we were going through at that time. Well, it's the same way with scriptures. I mean, if we can memorize lyrics to songs, you can memorize scriptures. And the way you do that is by making it so personal to your life and attaching it to specific events in your life. That's just what I do personally, Sarah. I I hope that helps, um, because what you'll find throughout the scriptures is is that it's the same message, different details, um, different people, different stories, but they all point to Jesus. And so as you're going through the Word of God, you study it. Sarah, and you read it differently. I, I would also add this: read the Bible differently when you're studying it, uh, versus when you are reading it, uh, like in a in a devotional type manner. And Here's what I mean: when you study the scriptures, you're going to take a little bit more time, and that's normal and you want to break down the verses, you want to look at the background, and and that's how you get uh, some of the the context around what you're reading. That will also help you memorize it. But but in your devotional reading, when you're just reading through the Scriptures, uh, again, repeatedly, sort of like a novel, God will also speak to your heart then. The main thing is that you keep doing it. Sarah, just keep doing it. Keep reading. I love that question. Uh, Thanks for asking it. And like I said, I'm sure Pastor Ron will elaborate and and share his heart as well. Uh, Next question is from from Jeremy. Actually, this is sort of a related question. Uh, Jeremy says, How long does it take you to study for your sermons? I actually learned this from Pastor Ron. What he told me is something that kind of sticks to me every time I'm getting ready for a Bible study. Um, repetition, repetition, repetition is first and foremost. And, and when I'm preparing for a Bible study, I will go through the scriptures repeatedly. But then once I already know what I'm going to say, and, and, and I can... I already know what the scriptures are saying and I know how to explain it. I also want to make sure that I take time. And this is where it's particular to getting ready for sermons. I want to make sure that what I'm saying is what Jesus wants to say to the people. Oftentimes I will go through the scriptures just like you, Jeremy, and God will speak something so clear to my heart. And there are times when that's just for me. When I'm preparing for a sermon, uh, not only do I want that, but I also want to give Jesus an opportunity to tell me what he wants the people to hear. Sometimes it will be the same thing that he spoke to my heart about. Uh, and other times there will be a word, um, or a different perspective that he'll want me to share through the scriptures. How long does it take? Uh, I don't know. I I don't track the time, but I know this, that it's, it's wonderful in keeping my mind on the word of God. Preparing for a study is wonderful for me because it, it, my mind has to constantly be revolved around Scripture. So throughout the day, every day, leading up to the study, uh, not necessarily you know, with pen and paper uh, writing down things, but I'm constantly meditating uh, on the passage and the context of the passage and related passages so that I can hear what the Lord wants to say to the people. Uh, so, Jeremy, I, I hope that makes sense. I short answer is I, I don't know exactly how long it takes me to prepare for a study, um, but I want to make sure that what I'm saying is not only doctrinally sound, but uh, what I'm saying is is exactly what Jesus wants the people to hear, not what I want them to hear. Oh, we've got another question submitted from Anonymous. How can I know I won't lose my salvation as a Christian? Anonymous, this is uh, a wonderful question because this is one that we get on the radio show pretty often, but we can't answer it. Enough. I'm very cognizant of the fact that some people may be tuning in for the very first time, and if they were to hear this question being asked, this may be the exact same thing they're going through. So let me get right to it. How can I know I won't lose my salvation as a Christian? Very easy, because the Bible says so. Ephesians chapter 1 is one of my favorite passages, because it deals with this exact thing. It is a deposit that guarantees my salvation. What is it? Uh, that God has given me as my salvation as a deposit, guaranteeing. Now, that means he's the guarantor, not me. And this is important because whenever anyone asks if... Uh, I can lose my salvation, or how I can know that I won't lose my salvation, Um, I'm very aware there are places and churches that sadly will teach that you can, but you can't. That's not what the Bible says. The question really is, if you were saved to begin with, but assuming here that a person is truly regenerated, truly born again, you cannot lose your salvation. Because this is what it says in first uh, chapter one of Ephesians. And I'll read it from verse 13. Having believed you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. So the, the Holy Spirit is deposited into our hearts upon the moment we become born again. And this deposit is a guarantee with, with God's stamp of approval it's almost like in, in in the old testament when when the king would have his unique signature it would be imprinted on the wax seal of a document uh, and it would be uh, from the signet ring that was on his finger with the hot wax fresh he would press his seal and, and it would signify that this document is official and that it's sealed by the authority given to that king. Well, that's a picture of this, this deposit that that Paul writes about that guarantees our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession. And so, Anonymous, I want you to take comfort in this. It doesn't depend upon you to keep that deposit or to keep that guarantee. It completely depends, and exclusively depends upon Jesus. And because he doesn't lie, you can't lose your salvation if he says, it's his to give. John chapter 10, so many other passages, But Jesus says, in my hand are those whom the Father places, and I won't lose any of them. And so, Anonymous, I hope that you can find comfort in this. Unfortunately, you, 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 there are so many bad teachings out there that will tell you, you know, use it or lose it, or or whatever it may be. You've, that's not how, that's not what the Bible teaches. The question is, if you really say, if you really are born again, the Spirit of God lives in you. And that spirit is given to you by God as a deposit, guaranteeing your inheritance in heaven. And if it's his guarantee, it's rock solid. If it depended upon a person, their performance, if it depended on church attendance, if it depended upon anything else, well, then it's not rock solid. But in this case, you can know that your salvation is So Anonymous, I I hope that helps. Thank you for for asking that question. One of the things that I I always guide people to, and this is kind of a side note to anonymous's question, but related. Ephesians is a wonderful, wonderful letter to direct new believers uh, into reading and studying Oftentimes we'll tell people to go read John, read John's gospel, which is great because it teaches us the deity of Christ, particularly the first chapter and the first 18 verses, because it, it, it solidifies who Jesus is, specifically in his deity, that he is God. But when it comes to a practical application and what, what, the, what our salvation really means, oh, so, uh, Ephesians is wonderful, it's 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 a chapter, oh, I'm sorry, it's a letter that, like Sarah and like Natalie was asking earlier, uh, is a perfect place to really dig, to begin digging your roots in the Word of God. Why? Because the first three chapters explain with great detail what our salvation means. What does it mean? And... and, and the how and and, and the why and the who are all explained in the first three chapters. That's the first half of Ephesians. And then the second half, the following three chapters, four, five, and six, are all about the practical outworking of that salvation. Well, what does it look like? What does it mean if my heart truly is changed and Jesus now lives in me and has forgiven me of my sin. Well, When I read chapter 4, it talks about the unity of the Spirit and the unity within the body and and chapter 5 and 6 about getting plugged in and using the gifts that God has given us. That's the best way to dig deep into uh, the Word of God, and to dig deep into your walk with God. Uh, So Ephesians is a place, Anonymous, I would strongly, strongly suggest you read repeatedly. Not just that first chapter, but the whole thing. All six chapters. But especially to your question about losing your salvation, read. Jesus' own words in John chapter 10, read. Jesus speaking through Paul in Ephesians chapter 1, and you can know you won't lose it. We are just within two minutes of the end of the radio show. Uh, Let me see if I have time for another quick question here. Uh, Probably now. Oh, Here. I could take this one. John says, how can you know for sure that you have the Holy Spirit? Well, John, that's a great question. This verse, chapter uh, 1 of Ephesians, verse 13 and 14, perfect place to answer your question, John. How can I know for sure that you have the Holy Spirit? Number one, the word says that you do if you are born again. This is the posit that has been given to you, guaranteeing your inheritance. But also, Galatians chapter 5 says that there is fruit. And it is singular here in Galatians chapter 5, starting in verse 22. The fruit of the Spirit is love. But then love is then described by uh, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These things altogether uh, point to evidence that you have the Holy Spirit. If you have these things in your life, John, then there's a good chance that you are producing fruit that comes from the Holy Spirit. Well, you can't produce fruit from the Holy Spirit if you don't have the Holy Spirit. So Galatians chapter 5 is how you analyze your life. Compare your life to that list. But Ephesians chapter 1 is where you can know for sure that you do have the Holy Spirit. Well, there's the music. This concludes the Wednesday edition of The Word to Stand On for Life. Stay tuned tomorrow for the day day edition with Pastor Ron and Paula.
1: Thanks for spending this time with Calvary Chapel's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh.